Welcome everybody to the Anime Lounge Podcast. I'm Matt, one of your co-hosts. I discuss the differences between the manga and anime in Matt's manga mentions. And I'm Lance, your other co-host. I walk you through Lance's lessons, where I teach you a Japanese word related to each and every episode. Join us and immerse yourself as we explore the world of anime. Don't forget to drop by the lounge every other week. Again, that's Anime Lounge Podcast. This episode is dedicated to the memory of Jelani Providence. Better known to longtime RangerCast listeners and RangerBoard users as J-Ranger, Jelani was a co-host on RangerCast and No Pink Spandex. He was dedicated not just to his fellow fans, but to his friends and family, as well as to charity efforts in his hometown of Toronto and beyond. We recently learned that we lost Jelani last year. He was 37. Our thoughts remain with his friends, family, and all he touched during a life cut all too short. And now, on to our show. This is RangerCast, Episode 4, Power Morphicon 2022, with special guest Mike Manos. This is RangerCast. As always, I'm Tyler, better known as Rito Volto, and I am joined by... Lamar Richardson. It's Morphin Time. And thank you for having me. My name is Mike. I am this episode's diversity hire, if you will. I used to do a show called Truncated Power Rangers on YouTube. I'm trying to get that back up. And you can find me uh, cavorting around Ranger Board still as Renegade Pancake. Yeah, diversity higher, because if there's one thing this show needs, it's a second bald white guy. It's like the 90s all over again. Like a tech podcast. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, So, and also, you staffed Power Morphicon. Well, you you weren't intending to, but you ended up staffing That kind of happened, yeah. Yeah, you, you arrived as a volunteer, then five minutes later, it's like, you know, you were anointed. Yeah, I know. I'm still trying to get the holy water off my forehead. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, as we record this, I'm fresh off the plane uh, from California. I spent an extra week there visiting family, tooling around, um, cooling off mostly because naturally I had to take that extra time uh, during a massive heat wave. Um, I'm happy to be home. With, you know, where it's nice, cool, you know, 86 degrees uh, and better air conditioning. Yeah. Oh, uh, is it warm in Southern California? Yes, yes, just a little, just a little. Um, you know, it's only it was only about 110 degrees, uh, so it could be worse where, where I was most recently in, out in Riverside. Uh, you know, when I actually, you know, stepped off the train in Los Angeles headed to LAX, it was actually you know, quite, quite, quite a relief. Um so, updating, or rather continuing from where our uh, emergency pod left off. Um, so, Cosmic Fury, there's a lot 
well, not a lot that we know, very little that we know, but the wide swath of things that we don't. Um, according to Simon Bennett, uh, who posts on Ranger Board as he does, whether it's a good idea or not, I don't know. Um, he was uh, posting in, in the, uh, the thread, uh, kind of answering some questions, and it seemed like this wasn't like some last-minute thing that just came together, despite what you know, the lack of information or uh, provided during the panel may lead you to believe. He said in uh, one of his posts that they'd been working on Cosmic Fury since May of last year, and that Cosmic Fury, the name, was decided quite late in the process. Um, you know, much in the way that they originally wanted to call Dino Fury Dino Knights and got uh, overruled by uh, John Hasbro. So they needed to secure the actors, and they knew it was a possibility toward the end of filming Dino Fury, and they the actors committed subject to uh, E1 uh, greenlighting it a few months later, and that's when they could really get the ball rolling in development. So they were greenlit in about March, and maybe it's true. The cast actually was, you know, you know, using their best poker face and not ask not to give any details about Cosmic Fury. Um, but he definitely confirmed that uh, the early uh, release of the teaser was a uh, oopsie on, um, on Hasbro's part. And maybe it should have dropped 11 a.m. or to coincide with the Screen Rant article that dropped at 8 a.m. Pacific time rather than just blindsiding everybody uh that saturday night at paramorphicon i can tell you uh, that that definitely was supposed to come out at 8 a.m on the sunday yeah that was I, the plan yeah i'd heard different things but either way oops uh he went on to say that you know remind people that nothing is definite in tv until you know it's greenlit and the money's in place the cast you know, knew that this was coming but you know they didn't know it was coming for sure until march um so they were kind of i guess in kind of retainer contracts you know or something like that you know in the event that the show um uh was greenlit they would have to make themselves available and they they didn't know anything when they did when they you know signed those initial you know just in case deals but simon says they committed be quote because they wanted to do it and because they're an excellent bunch of people which Okay, yeah, all right, I can see that. But it seems like um, not everybody is back in New Zealand just yet. No, I mean, Hmm? some of them were even doing the convention tour as recently as June. Um, I saw them at Ranger Stop and Pop, and they kept it really close to the chest. Yeah. They were treating this as the, okay, well, we're done filming, now we're getting our convention fix in. Um, Yeah, I think think Russell Russell Curry... Uh, posted something to the effect of, you know, that he was headed de- headed back down Auckland. But Tessa Rao, uh, according to her Instagram, is, you know, doing the tourist thing in New York City right now. But I, I guess everybody's on their own schedule right now. The other piece of news, uh, this also came uh, from Simon, is that production has moved from Studio West, where they've been for basically 20 years, to Auckland Film Studios, um, which they claim to have housed Ninja Storm. I'm not sure if that's true, but it's also where they shot that uh, Trent and Tommy ATV fight in Dino Thunder. Um, and the picture that Simon posted uh, has you know, Ranger Ward on, on his computer screen. He's always keeping tabs. 
Is that an internet browser pun? Not intentional. Oh, I didn't even catch that. I imagine he all. I'm, but you know, that said, I imagine it's always a tab that's open. Just checking, Tyler. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, I mean, ultimately, you know, the quality of the show has never really been linked to where they filmed. It's really been about the writing and the cast. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, we've had great, you know, seasons in New Zealand, great seasons in uh, L.A. And, and seasons that could have used some rework in both places. Yeah. Yeah. But it is interesting. The reason they're moving to Studio West, he said, is that uh, that studio added a bunch of like they're bound to open this huge new expansion with a, a huge soundstage and offices and all that. Uh, that seems to be geared, they're gearing the studio more toward larger productions, um, which Power Rangers is not. They have other spaces, like the you know, warehouse spaces, where they keep all the, the multitudes of costumes and props that the show uses. So it's not that big a change. I'm not sure about the extent to which they'll have to rebuild those old uh, Dino Fury sets for use in Cosmic Fury. Uh but we don't know the extent to which those sets will be uh, relevant in Cosmic Fury. Now, the other thing that Simon made news, well, not news, but, you know, at least, you know, some uh, discontent in the fandom um, is his calling out of, um, of a fan who was sharing links to rips of international airings of Dino Fury, which... Come on. I mean, if you're pirating those episodes and you can't wait, you know, the three weeks or whatever for them to be made available in the U.S. or made available else, you know, elsewhere in the Netflixville, um, you know, what what are you doing? You know, what what are what are you doing? But Simon, in his words, said, quote, uh, this kind of sharing is a form of piracy. It affects viewership, the legitimate program which makes it less financially viable, which can ultimately affect the show's future. Please don't share. Now, believe it or not, there are actually fans who said what, who you know, went back to him and said, well, actually, with the excuse that, uh, that you know, it's a toy commercial um, and that the ratings don't matter. It's still intellectual property theft. Right. You wouldn't download a communicator. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. You wouldn't download no, I, a Zord. Yeah. Well, actually, I would, but that's... A different matter. Um, <laughs> hey, if you could download a Megazord, you tell me you wouldn't. <laughs> uh, I don't have space for that kind of thing in my house. Yeah, yeah. Think of all the three D printing you don't need materials a house to have a Megazord. Take. Just live in the Dragonzord. Uh, no, but but on a serious note, um, I, I think he's absolutely right. Um, Power Rangers has never been one of these productions that can afford um a, a lot of um leeway you know they've been canceled twice um obviously they've they've been struggling to stay on air for a large portion of their existence after 95 um it, you know obviously never pirate i'm i'm not interested but i'm saying especially for a franchise this that's struggling to this degree we really can't be doing this. Yeah, I I think the the one the one kind of thing that the yeah you know, the one situation 
you know, where I can maybe understand it is where the show legitimately is not available to you to watch at all. Like an RPM situation where when that was airing, there were a lot of most markets didn't air at all. Or I know here in Baltimore, it aired like 5 a.m. So I was watching it when I was actually legitimately up that early. But on a Saturday, I was probably not up that early. Um, But, you know, if it's on Netflix, it's on your time. Uh, And, you know, yeah, up until Nick Deal, it was available on over-the-air television um, for so much of the show's life. So you didn't have... But, you know, it's like, you know, ever since Samurai, you had to, in some way, pay to access Power Rangers. And, you know, tough. You know, pay up. Yeah, I mean, they could work their way around this by perhaps, um, you know, selling the episodes individually on Amazon. I see that, like, Beast Morphers is now there. If they wanted to, they could probably try and uh, dual sell plus the Netflix, although I'm sure Netflix might have I, some sort of exclusionary rights. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, if you look at the opening for Dino Fury ever since, like, the episodes that haven't aired on Nickelodeon, um, that always says, you know, Netflix original series, which for the purposes of the territories, which it is, it's a Netflix original series. Which means it'll be canceled before it's over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, I mean, it's not—it's not like something Netflix. It's—I guess it's more like something that that uh, you know, like a Transformers-style deal where Hasbro kind of mm-hmm. just needs a place to put it. And um, but something that somebody uh, that a mod, a fellow mod of the Power Rangers subreddit, brought up to me uh, in our uh, internal chat is, um, well, Razgriz brought up uh, brought this up that uh, My Little Pony writer M.A. Larson suggested that piracy helped save My Little Pony because it started in 2011. It was on The Hub, which uh, was a channel that nobody, that few households had. You claim that, you know, 4chan started to pirate episodes for people to view and that, you know, helped drive fan interest in, in you know, renewing um, for season four. But that... That's, again, I guess kind of an RPM situation, but still, like, even then, you know, if you're downloading and you're pirating the show, uh, like, yeah, for newer seasons, you know, that are that are non-union, you know, it's not like you're depriving actors of residuals, but when the bean counters decide whether to order more episodes and how many to order... You know, they don't look at how many people pirated the show. They look at how many people watch the show. They look at, I mean, they do look at toy sales as well for Power Rangers, but think of who you're hurting. For sure. And we, this franchise needs all the support it can get. Um, Hasbro's clearly put a lot into this. And obviously, since it's a company, they need to be getting back uh, more than what they put in. Um, the Lightning Collection's doing well, I think. The Zord Ascension Project's too early to tell. But the show seems to be doing really strongly. We can't give them any excuse to cancel it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the you know, the show's been on death's door multiple times before. 
And you know, you gotta ask yourself if you're, you know, posting these links to Mega Upload or something, you know, what the hell are you doing? Now, um, doing a hard pivot, uh, there was some other news out of PowerMorphCon that had nothing to do with Simon Bennett. Um, Super Seven had a panel where they unveiled Madame Woe as part of the Ultimates line. And I, you know, what the ultimate line wasn't really on my radar before the panel, but it's like made to order uh, toys that include all the heads, all the props, like, like they got a putty that comes with everything, like including like a, the, the football uniform from the, the Rhino Blaster episode. Um, they think of everything. So, or like Rita comes with a Kim head from that one episode. And, um, they're like their gold are you know looks fantastic i mean i'm late you know to finding out the gold are but it's the best looking gold art figure i've ever seen yeah absolutely um super seven is doing incredible stuff with the franchise um you know their their level of detail the level of um attachments that they're putting in with things uh this is clearly supposed to be the high end extreme collectors line um whereas i think lightning collection is supposed to be you know in the slightly higher end but still affordable range and then obviously you've got your basic toy line yeah yeah it's kind of like um kind of like figure arts with a little more with a, a slightly different mission statement but you know more with more of the kitchen sink thrown in yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, honestly, I think that's something Power Rangers needs. There's so many iconic episodes, and I know that for me, whenever I get Lightning Collection stuff, I'm always like, well, why does this person not have their special weapon? Yeah. Or why is this uh, you know, really important piece not included for this one Ranger, but then it is included for another one? It looks like Super yeah. Seven is trying to avoid that problem all out. Now, again, a Super 7 figure is roughly the same price as two Lightning Collection figures. Um, so you've got to kind of figure out which price point you're at. Yeah, um, but it's like, you know, Billy, it's like you could throw in a thousand different gadgets that showed up in Jew 2 footage. Like the yeah. mirror. And not even Mighty Morphin, too. There's, I mean, so many gadgets that should be going in with other Ranger teams. I mean, time for... Right. But so at, mm, yeah, but at the moment, they only have the rights to put out uh, Mighty Morphin stuff. Okay. Yeah, though that could change. Uh, the other uh, toy news, Team Kamen Rider wasn't there in person, but at a Team Kamen Rider fan panel, they uh, demoed the uh, DX Desire Driver, from Common Rider Geats, which uh, which uh, premiered uh, just Sunday, September fourth, um, in Japan. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I also wasn't at that panel, but it does look sick. I think it's taking a, a Ryu Soldier route in that mm. the main theme is really customizing because what did the rumors say? Like fifty some odd riders, I think, are the plan for Geats, and they really just want to have that go with that battle royale MMO theming. And one of the strengths of the Ryu Soldier line, which goes into Dino Fury, is how customizable all the Zord bits are without those little uh, Lego connections with all the, you know, the brand name filed off there. 
Right. Yeah. They, so uh, I think that's what yeah. they're going for. Their pandemic strategy is, well, let's make a bunch of stuff. So interchangeability. So kids who play with it can play with it how they want to play with it. When you open up that possibility for what you can do with the desire driver or any sort of toy, uh, they're really, it's a really clever way of trying to extend their reach in the market. Yeah, yeah, they announced a, like a baker's dozen of riders right out the gate. Um, so we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back after a word from some friends of the show. So you want to hear people talk about Japanese cartoons. You know, anime. But you think the other anime podcasters just aren't nerdy enough? Sounds like you need to join forces with the Anime World Order. Where each week, three self-proclaimed experts offer you reviews. Of titles both new and classic, news and commentary, rants, convention reports, interviews with fandom, and some hentai and yaoi for good measure. So search for anime in the iTunes Music Store. Or visit our website at AnimeWorldOrder.com. Anime World Order, revealing the truth about anime, one podcast at a time. And we're back. Now, um, speaking of Paramorphicon, um, yeah, that happened. Um, I don't know if we ever got an attendance count, but it seemed a lot more crowded than I remember. Um, Mike, but I know you don't really have any uh, reference point for this since this is your first but what do you think of PMC this year? Well, bearing in mind that my experience with it is a little bit different because I had a behind-the-scenes vantage point for pretty much the entire event. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Honestly, the attendance was about what I thought it was going to be. I had heard stories because I talked to some people in line about how some people said that they wanted to go, but, you know, COVID cases popped up. They didn't feel comfortable traveling. Uh, the certain whoozy what's that threatened super soaking on Twitter did not help matters, and some people wanted to stay home from that as well. I know that's not what it was, but I'm going to mock him because people like that deserve mockery. And it was mostly just people that wanted to be there. But I will say that the general atmosphere I got from fans, from cast, from vendors, everyone I talked to said that the camaraderie amongst everyone there was truly something special compared to PMCs in the past. Everyone was very much just one big family there. And the line between fans and casts and vendors and everyone that was supposed to be there were probably blurrier than they had been in years past. I know it was very much a all for one, one for all kind of thing, but it still maintained a high level of organization. Like everything kind of went forward I don't think there were any problems on the show floor from what I heard. I didn't get to spend a lot of time there because I was kind of holed up in my panel room. But the only thing that was really an issue is if you know the Pasadena Convention Center, the main three panel rooms that we were using were labeled C, D slash F, and G. But on the schedule that we had online, they were labeled A, B, and C, respectively. So when you have, I thought it was main main A and B, and in a row was, uh, well, I mean, rather than main B, main A and B, it was A, you know what I mean. It was a bit confusing until you actually looked at the signs, which panel room was which. Yes, but those were minor squabbles. Like the most I think anyone ever spent being confused by that was maybe forty five seconds to a minute. Yeah. 
it was pretty clear what room was what once you actually got to see the three panel rooms all side by side. Yeah, I, I think it would have been helpful, though, rather than QR code, well, rather than just QR codes, to post physical schedules for each room. Well, they also changed the physical schedules a little bit. They added some panels on Sunday that weren't out there originally. And you definitely saw me come out once or twice and have to direct people, be like, hey, this panel's in this room. You should head all the way down there for this panel. Yeah, there were a lot of things happening on the fly. Like, even closing ceremonies ultimately got canceled because Scott didn't have time to run them. It was like after the uh, after the voice actors panel, Scott and Cameron Jibo basically poked their heads out uh, on the main stage and said, you know, con's over, everybody. Uh, it's been real. Or rather, that's, you know, like, thanks for coming. He didn't kick everybody out just then. There were still a couple things left to go. But um, but that's sort of like stuff that happens. So people would like try to show up for the closing for closing would be very confused. Um, and I think that I think you did a great job by creating a spreadsheet before you even, you know, got to the con and became a staff. You created that spreadsheet that Ranger Board uh, tweeted out and I actually had that bookmark the entire weekend. Oh, they actually uh, made it on Twitter. Nice. Yeah. Ranger, yeah. Ranger Board put that on Twitter. And um, it was really helpful compared to trying to navigate the schedule on the website, which was not very helpful. I understand why they did it, though. Uh, one thing that I knew that they wanted to do on the PMC website is emphasize what guests were at what panel. And I did not put that on my little spreadsheet that I threw online. And I understand the appeal of wanting to show, hey, you should come to this panel because we have Tyler Waldman on it. This is why you should go to the podcasting panel as an example. Shameless plug. Yeah, yeah. but And that panel went really well. And that and a bunch of other panels are all on YouTube thanks to some fan who just decided to do it. Justin Aranjo is a beast. I worked a lot with him because I was doing sound in one of the AV rooms. And he had... Up to three cameras running in all the panel rooms all the time. So you're gonna wow. see you're gonna see high quality I think he was working with Scott. Like he was on staff. Yeah, the, the sound on the podcast one uh sounded straight off the board. Because it pretty much was. He had tapped directly into the soundboard that I was running. Oh, well okay then. I, that explains that. But yeah, definitely if you're getting FOMO, uh look up those videos. They're just like you search YouTube for like Power Morphicon panels, and you're gonna find something. Is it Justin um, Naranjo is the man's name who was running the yeah. cameras all there? So yeah. he's the account. I mean, other people have posted some footage as well, and there's nothing wrong with fan footage of panels, especially some of the ones that he hasn't gotten to yet. Um, so either way, most of the panels are up now. There's one in particular that I wish was up but as of this recording is not up yet, which is a shame because it was my favorite panel of the entire convention. But eventually you will see them. It does take time to adjust shots between different cameras and clean up the audio a little bit. The audio equipment that I was using was rather old, and the fact that I was able to get microphones working at all was nothing short of a miracle. Yeah. So you will see all the panels online eventually. Yeah, um, and I think, you know, like the panels, a lot of them are really, really good. But I think the problem sometimes at, at PMC is you're trying to do a cast a cast panel or a panel about a specific, a specific season. And there are like 
20, you know, relevant guests. I'm exaggerating here. Yeah, that's a lot to fit on a stage and nobody really gets a whole lot of time to share their own stories or, or that sort of thing. I can pinpoint that to a better example. Beast Morphers had nine or ten people on stage, and that was too many for a panel for an hour. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love all of them. They're all great people, but it was way too many people. Poor Campbell Cooley is sitting in the back with, like, nothing to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he, he was able to, you know, talk a little more at, like, the voice acting panel, that sort of thing. Um, I, I think, you know, like, what do you do about that, though? Do you... Like, you know, somebody like him definitely deserves to be in Beast Morphers panel. Uh, but it's like, do you do you make the panel longer? And, you know, where, like, where do you where do you and how do you find that time? I mean, I'm not in charge of programming. I talked yeah. to the people that were in charge of the programming a little bit. And I know a lot of it was based on guest availability before we had a couple cancellations mm. and i know that they really wanted to shy away from the color based panels like yeah let's be honest here forever red is a stupid panel because yeah. you have people who didn't really interact with each other but they're all red rangers so let's put them on the same panel because maybe they'll talk about the same thing over right. and over again but then you trickle down like forever blue forever black and then you get the things that are like, well, what does it mean to be a yellow ranger? Like, what? that doesn't mean anything. Exactly. And then you get and, to yeah. especially like forever pink. Then it gets kind of like a weird sexist undertone to it. And I know they're really right. trying to shy away from that. So and that, yeah, well, you're right. And it was good that that a lot of the, that most of those hokey panels were not on the schedule. Um, and it and the ones that were on the schedule mostly didn't happen anyway. You're talking about the shipping one, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, good heavens. There was a panel on shipping? No, there wasn't. It, it was, was essentially six actors, um, Jason Font and Aaron Cahill, um, Azim Rizik and Ciara Hanna, I believe, were the second pair. And the third one was, I forget, Tyler, if you can help me out, but it was essentially three pairs. Oh, it was Daniel Southworth and Allison Kipperman. And it was three mm. pairs of actors whose characters got together, air quotes, as much as you can on a Y7 show, and they were going to have a panel with the six of them. Now, granted, all six of them are great, and they're all charismatic, and it would have been fun to some extent, but the panel ended up getting canceled because it was a dumb idea. <laughs> the other one that got canceled, and I totally understand why it got canceled. A couple people were asking about this online, so I guess I can use this as a platform to clear the air. That was the Business Rangers panel, which I didn't even really, really know what it was. But Business Rangers was supposed to be about Power Ranger actors that went on to start their own business and how that was going on. It was supposed to consist of Allison Kipperman, who sells mustard. Dwayne Cameron, who's – I don't remember what he did. And Kevin Kleinberg at his real estate. The problem was Kleinberg was not there yet. And Dwayne Cameron was like, look, I understand what you want to do with this panel but there's going to be just two of us, and I don't really want to do it if there's just two of us. So Dwayne was definitely getting the gears moving. It's like, look, if it's not all three of us, I don't really want to do the panel. And Allison kind of agreed. I kind of watched all those events transpire. So that's why that panel was canceled, simply because Kevin Kleinberg wasn't there and they didn't want to do it without him, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but moving on to the, the exhibit hall, that place was packed. And, 
you, you know, like when I go to an anime con and, you know, my eyes are like always trained to just like zoom in on Power Rangers stuff, Toku stuff. But it's like, you know, I walk in there and it's like, you know, overwhelming because all that stuff is everywhere. Uh, I like that Super 7 and Renegade were front and center. Uh, my wallet didn't like that Super 7 was front and center. Oh, having I, uh, the merchandise right in front is the genius move. Yeah, yeah. I dropped like $100 on a, a T-shirt from Super 7 and a bunch of their toys. I was legally obligated to get uh, the Rita Revolto figure. Of course. Yeah. Um, and that was like the bulk of my haul, along with the John Tui autograph and Campbell Cooley autograph. I was going to get a Wakamatsu autograph, but that line, no thank you. Right. Um, and I don't know how much it was anyway, so I didn't do that. Um but there, there was there was some real good like vintage, well kept vintage stuff, uh, kicking around the exhibits like you know, 1990s vintage Titanus or the black and gold Megazord, um, and it was really, really cool to see the the sort of like old Bandai stuff that uh, was still in okay shape that that these booths were selling. Yeah, essentially. The, it was split up where the entire left side of the room was all this merch. It was like for the ultimate Toku fan, it was like the world's coolest garage. I mean, you had all this stuff just piled sky high. The booths of some of these vendors, it looked like you were passing a flea market. They had set it up to essentially be a miniature storefront, which is really cool. It kind of had an Akibahara kind of thing going on. The feel was there. And on the right side of the convention center where all the on the on the open floor, excuse me. They had all the actors. There's two things I want to address about this though. Number one, they needed a map. It was very hard mm. to know where everybody was set up. There were people there as guests that I did not know were there just because it was really hard to navigate to their booth because there were so many guests there and quite a few showed up, you know, that were not on the list of people that were supposed to be there especially with some of the later seasons. If they happen to be in L.A., you know, they just kind of popped in. The other thing, and I saw this addressed, is a lot of people had problems with that back right corner because in the back right corner you had the two Sentai actors. You had Jason David Frank there on Saturday. You had Austin St. John there on Sunday. Walter Jones was back there. So Aaron Cahill's line was back there as well. And a lot of people said that it was chaotic because you had four really long lines all kind of clustered toward each other. But I understand why they did that, because it was better to have them clustered in the back corner rather than have it clustered at the main entrance, preventing people from getting anywhere. Whereas if you have all those lines in the back, you kind of know what you're getting into, and it still keeps it open for the rest of the floor. So uh, do you think you're going to be back next time, staff or not? I already told Scott that you should have my name right in the front. I would love to do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think I want to go back again. Um, I would be more definitive, but it's like a lot of the old guard people who I'm used to, you know, running into these things at and you know, having dinner with that sort of thing, uh, were not there or are not going to be there again in a couple cases just because they've left the fandom or or whatever and. I, I yeah, it's like, you know, part of me 
part of me just wonders, you know, what kind of headspace I'll be in two years from now. It's hard um, when it's every other year. I also want to add in for anybody that's listening that may be on the fence as to whether or not they want to volunteer. PMC always needs volunteers. Do not think that being on PMC staff or being a volunteer is just a beeline to getting the opportunity to see more guests than you would normally. That is not how it works. It is a lot of work. I, for one, have a unique skill set that allow me to be able to be doing a lot of things because I've run, I've been at conventions before with my main business. I have, you know, experience running audio equipment, so I was able to just kind of nestle my way in there. And when you're running a panel room, you have to talk with a lot of people. So, yeah, if you want to volunteer, great, but don't think that you want to do it as a means to get more out of the convention than you would if you wouldn't. Yeah, and, you know, also, to add to that, we've all had our complaints about PMC over the years. Uh, The only way, well, one of the major ways they can do better is they have better people, you know, stepping up to help with these things. Um, And, you know, you did did great work running your panels. Um, I ended up moderating two of them. That was a surprise. Yeah, and you, you did awesome with that. Now, we didn't just bring you here uh, because you were also Paramorphicon. We also brought you here as a guest. So you used to host RangerCast, as uh, I think we, we maybe neglected to mention in uh, at the top of the show. It's okay. Were, people skip the intros anyway. Yeah, yeah. You were, you were a co-host for a while. But uh, why don't you uh, tell us about your history in the fandom? Sure. I actually looked it up. Uh, I started on RangerCast episode 48 back in the day. Wow, you actually looked that up. Wow. I looked it up. I remember it was 48 and 50 because that was the joke. Mm. I was on the 50th episode and extravaganza, and it was like my second episode at that point. My history with Power Rangers. Oh, man, that's... Well, going back, uh, I'm 34, so I was the prime target market when the show aired. I happened to catch it as I was flipping through channels as a kid back in 93. I remember my first episode was Food Fight. First episode I ever saw. And when you see Pudgy Pig and you're, you know, five as I was, you're like, well, now I kind of have to keep seeing where this is going to go. And I fell in love with it. I think I was mostly into the Zords more than anything because I've, it's the engineering mind that I have. I always love um, things that move and twist and turn and can be put together into something else. So that really caught my eye right away. Uh, fell in love with the franchise. I remember seeing the original movie in 95 in theaters. I remember not seeing the Turbo movie in theaters because I was kind of growing out of it by that point. I was brought back in. Uh, I was aware that Dino Thunder was a thing. Um, because I remember seeing it in like a magazine advertisement and people or something like that when I was in my parents' bathroom in high school. But SPD is really what drew me in as an adult fan. Because like the first eight or nine episodes of SPD were truly great as those who were around knew. It was new blood. It definitely had a different feel. It was not trying to talk down to its audience, obviously. Your, uh, your opinions on SPD's quality may vary, understandably. But that got me to join the forums. In fact, Idol, the ninth episode of SPD, was the episode that got me to join Ranger Board back in April of 05 because I wanted to jump in. 
I did not realize it was a direct Sentai episode translation at the time, something that you learn with time. Sentai was one of those things I remember looking up years before and aware of its existence, but looking up Super Sentai in the late 90s, early 2000s, if you could find it on any website that didn't have the word GeoCities in the URL, then you are better at it than I am. It's like GeoCities, Lycos, Alta Vista. But anyway, that's enough reminiscence on the dark web of that of yesteryear. Uh, I stayed in the Phantom for a while, you know, all through the Bruce Kawish seasons. RPM, I remember watching. Yep, 5 a.m. I was right there with Tyler. Uh, I joined Ranger Cast because Tyler and I had mutual friends. He thought I'd be a good fit. I didn't have the means to do Ranger Cast very often. I had a failed Power Rangers podcast called Pod Force that maybe four people listened to. I don't know where those four people ended up. Um, Bryce, who was also on Ranger Cast now, was also on that. So we go way back. And I did Truncated Power Rangers for eight years. Uh, I decided that uh, having found Yu-Gi-Oh! The Abridged series in 2006 and loving that, even though I... I'm not an anime person. I don't even know Yu-Gi-Oh! all that well, but I enjoyed the comedy of it. And I wondered if somebody had Power Rangers as a target for one of those series. But people really stuck to the anime. But I realized no one had done an abridged series with Power Rangers. And a friend of mine in college, Kevin Siegel, who I'll always give credit to, he thought it was a good idea because they have helmets on most of the time, so you could do voice dubbing. I had no experience doing voice acting. Uh, my best friend Phil and I, you know, we wrote comedy skits together. Uh, so I decided to take it on. I was interning at Sirius Satellite Radio at the time in the summer of 2008. So I had a lot of help uh, from some somewhat decent names. John DeVore, who was uh, the editor of Maxim Magazine at the time, and some other celebrities who I pitched ideas to. And they said, yeah, you might as well go for it. So I had a little bit of help from some friends in higher places. And for eight years off and on, I managed to get through all three seasons of Mighty Morphin, finishing in 2016. And I'm happy with how it came out. I am slowly putting the episodes back on YouTube. When Saban had the franchise again, uh, they were really big on taking things down. But Hasbro doesn't seem to mind too much. Um, but I'm still manipulating it and doing more commentary than anything else. Some of the jokes are definitely dated. Um, so, yeah, if that's something you're interested mm -hmm. in, I am definitely trying to get it back out there just to get people's eyes on it. I never made any money off it. I only did it as a passion project because mm. – uh, I enjoyed Power Rangers, and I enjoyed riffing on Power Rangers, as I imagine people in my age group did as well. Um, but I had also fallen out of the fandom for a while. Like I said, uh, Samurai I had no interest in, but Samurai did not cause me to leave the fandom. The 2010 reversions caused me to leave the fandom for quite a while. And watching those comic book effects and dance battles and shortening to 32 episodes. Really? And just floundering I mean, on the light on the rights like, to the franchise. It was, 2010 it was, like, was a dark time to be a Toku fan, let me tell you I mean, what. It was like two weeks into that that we found out that Saban was coming back. Yeah, but you say that like it was a good thing. Well, I mean... It, uh, <laughs> I, on this one. What? I, I gotta be honest, I'm with Mike on this one. I mean... I guess for me it was Samurai that kind of you know led me to uh, stop watching for a bit, um, just because it felt so lazy. But Mike, did you did you ever uh, notice that? Um, I mean, I I can't imagine you you didn't notice the uh, the TV tropes page for Truncated. 
Um, yeah, I've been made aware of it over the years. Um, how much of that was you editing yourself? I'm not accusing you or anything. Next to none of it. Really? The only time I've ever edited it is if somebody uh, said something that was blatantly wrong or incorrect about mm -hmm. a source of a joke that I had. Mm. But there's been a lot of edits on there, uh, and they're not me. So someone's still out there watching that crazy stuff. And you had Ron Washerman appear once. I did. As Guitardo. How'd that uh, come about? Um, honestly, I just asked him. Ron Wasserman, bless his heart, is one of those people that will answer anything from a fan, for better or for worse. And I remember asking him uh, via email. I explained, like, hey, look, here's what we do. I didn't think he was going to respond. Uh, like, would you be interested in doing a monster voice? And the next day, he was just like, I'm on board. <laughs> what do you want me to do? I remember throwing in some lines in the script about him having songs on the Rock Band Network at the time. Uh, just as a means to, like, give him a reason to do it. Like, he didn't ask me to put that in there. I just was like, all right, you're going to give your blessing to this project and be in it. I might as well, you know, return the favor somewhat. Uh, when I met David Yost in 2011 in No Pink Spanix Live in New York, uh, I mentioned Truncated. And he said that he had seen it and that other cast members he was still in contact with, without naming names, uh, had seen it as well. So they were all aware of it at some point. I'm not going to sit there and say it was a huge deal. It's not anymore, but it used to be at least known in the main circles. And I will say that when I met Ron again uh, at PMC last weekend, uh, he remembered it. And he said, Are you still, am I still doing it? I said, no, I've been done with that for quite some time. And it came up on more than one occasion. So the cast knew Truncated Power Rangers was a thing, which is kind of a trip, really, that this – this little project that I started when living in a basement in New York City was able to affect people that I watched on television. So that was kind of an awesome experience. And even though I didn't make a dime off it, it kind of made the whole thing really worth it. Yeah, I can relate to that. So, um, but how, like, it must have felt been really just uh, heartwarming to, you know, hear that, that, well, did they say they liked it? All, all these people from the show. I didn't want to push my luck, Tyler. Okay. <laughs> like, like okay. they had heard of it. That's all I needed at that point. I guess I guess they hated it. They would have told you. I'm not going to be like a panelist, one of those lame ones. What was your favorite episode? Like, who cares? The fact <laughs> that I was even made aware, got on their radar is cool enough. And I have to say, uh, it was not just me. My best friend Phil wrote a lot of stuff. Uh, Christian Salabert did a lot mm. of work. He was the one who started putting backing tracks on some of the early episodes. Uh, he started voicing people really heavily in that third and final season. Uh, did a lot of work on the script. Uh, so I will definitely say it was a group project. I can never take all the credit for it. Uh, many guest voices over the years. Tyler uh, was in the movie when we did the movie, and he was in an episode, uh, episode number 40, I believe it is, uh, making a bit of a cameo there. So whenever I get around to re-uploading that, episode 40, if, you, if you're a huge Tyler fan, you know you that's something you're going to want to check out. I have no memory of recording for that. It was 2014. Oh, that was a weird year for me. I, I Yeah. Um, so this year was your first PMC. It was. Uh, what... I didn't want to do it. I did not want to go to PMC originally. I do not remember how I ended up buckling down to buy tickets when it was supposed to be in 2020. I think you would approach that's right. me that you wanted to. And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? So I was down in 2020, but 
but then it got delayed like three times, I think, was the total number of delays for this. And by that point, I was like, well, I don't really want to do it anymore. I was, you know, COVID tends to have you reprioritize things. Yeah. But then I found out that, you know, I wasn't getting my money back. So I decided <laughs> that if I'm going to go, I'll volunteer my time. And if I and I will try to make it so it is the best possible convention uh, that I can with as little impact that I can have on the event and try to make it great for other people. That was my mindset going into PMC. And apparently it helped work because through events that transpired, I became staff extremely quickly. And a lot of people had very nice things to say about how I was running things. Pan uh, guests, fans, everyone was kind of on board with whatever it was that I was doing. And it was just a really good time. I got to talk with the Alien Rangers folks for quite a while. They were a blast. Really cool folks. And I feel like that they don't get the uh, the credit that they deserve for bringing in the sci-fi stuff to the franchise. And they were and you can tell by their placement on the floor, they were kind of shoved off to the side, like opposite Paul Schreier and Jason Narvey. And when you're put directly across the hall from like a powerhouse of a booth like that, you kind of get the feeling that they know that you're not going to get a lot of people. They had Michael Gatto, Michael Lasky, who played young Tommy and young Rocky, respectively. Those are really cool dudes. Michael Gatto had no idea what he was getting into. He's like, this is my first one of these. I have no idea what to charge for stuff. I have no idea what to expect. And a lot of the guests there were in the same boat that I was. And maybe that's why I vibed with them so well and that we were all kind of thrown into this as our first PMC. So we all got to experience it for the first time together and tyler who has been to every single power morphicon to some extent or another i remember asking him how does this compare to other ones and hearing from him and from other people i don't think it's going to rate be quite the level of chaos that 2007 was but i've heard that it was close in terms of uh the warmth from everyone in a in a post-covid I, I have post in huge air quotes in a post-covid world I would say that a lot of people are taking interpersonal relationships much more to heart. I feel that people love the camaraderie. For some people, this is the big social outing that they have for the year. So a lot of people really look forward to it. And seeing how much PMC meant to people uh, really helped motivate me try to help make it as strong of an event as it was. And I ended up having a fantastic time. Now, what do you, in your opinion, keeps you coming back to Power Rangers? The cheese, man. I love me some cheese. It's what it is, you know. It's nostalgia. Nostalgia's all the rage right now. And giant robots fighting each other is always going to be cool. But there's always, you know, the underlying themes of togetherness and teamwork and seeing the character archetypes. And also kind of a, a perverse fascination with watching the franchise just kind of mold itself into new societal norms, if that makes sense. And watching it try to fit into a modern world and constantly transforming itself is, for me, a real trip. And just watch, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but I always appreciate the efforts that it makes. And I will say that I guess I became back into it 
with Beast Morphers, mostly because Go Busters is a top three Sentai for me out of the ones that I've seen. So I was very interested in them going back to Beast Morphers, uh, going back to that footage. So that drew me in. And then uh, beginning in 2018, I managed to, one episode a day, make my way all the way through every episode of Power Rangers. And now I'm all caught up. So that doesn't make me a better fan than anyone else. It just means I had 30 minutes of free time for every day for like four years uh, to get through everything. So um, I don't know. Just my opinions over the franchise has changed drastically over the years. Um, it's more of a respect than anything. And because I did truncated power Rangers, because I was there a day one or I, I don't want to see it fail. Like it's kind of like my baby in a way, even though I didn't really have anything to do with the franchise, but it's like, you've, it's been there the whole time. So you kind of want to watch it succeed. And you, I really hope that the show does well. It's not my favorite show by any stretch of the imagination. I wouldn't say it's even in like my top half of favorite shows, but because of how long I've followed it, it's just one of those things where I'll probably at this point, never stop watching it because I want it to succeed. I want this cast to do well. I want to support them in projects going forward. I want them to not murder people <laughs> among other things. But I just want as as few as possible. Zero is as few as possible, sir. <laughs> Zero is a great number. <laughs> a little gallows humor. If you know me, you know the gallows humor is definitely not outside the norm for me. But no, it's just I it's a lot of fun and it's a release. And I think that's the goal of the show is that it's meant to be fun. It's supposed to be entertaining. It's a release and it's just a hoot to watch. And maybe if I have kids one day. That's something I could pass along to them if they're interested. I don't want to force any hobbies on them. But yeah, like I said, it's mostly just fun. And especially with the past couple of years, you really have to find what you enjoy uh, that you get fun out of and just roll with it. Rock on. All right. So thank you so much for taking the time out to uh, to walk down memory lane with us. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I know we had talked behind the scenes about um, frequency of me being on RangerCast. I'm not going to be a regular, and that's primarily my doing just because of real-life things. I'll probably make it on another episode at some point uh, because I do, be enjoy podcast- I do enjoy podcasting. I do enjoy talking mm-hmm. about Power Rangers. I'm really digging Dino Fury from what I've seen, and I would love to see how it transpires into – Cosmic Fury, or Perkerf, as I'm going to keep calling it from now on. Uh, <laughs> or Celestial Fury no longer has the rights to that initialism. Rip Hayden. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it's going to be, it's a trip. And uh, I think it's just going to be a whole lot of fun. So, what do you have to plug? Where can people find you? Um, You can find me at the supermarket. No. <laughs> uh, I don't, I'm not here to plug anything. I'm here because Tyler and I go way back. And I was thrilled to see Ranger Cast come back. And I believe I reached out to you immediately. And I think my response was, and you started it without me. Ah. And, and I just love talking about the show. Uh, I'm on Ranger Board, not as often as a lot of people. Renegade Pancake is my name there because it's a stupid name. I have no relation to 
the uh, Renegade company that we were talking about earlier at PMC. Uh, Truncated Power Rangers is coming back on YouTube ever so slowly. Uh, but my main thing is I'm a DJ now. I have my own DJ company, Torgo Entertainment. So if you're in the Northeast and you're interested in such things, uh, feel free to check that out. Uh, I do all sorts of stuff. I'm not going to talk shop here because this isn't the time or place for it. But it's there if you want to. And uh, other than that, I'm not really on the Internet as much as I used to be. I'm really trying to cut back. Mm, but you'll see me pop up. From time to time. I, I definitely make my rounds. And again, I'll probably be at PMC 2024 as long as that's a thing. And actually in 2024 and not push back to like 2025. Looking at you, monkey pox. Don't do it. <laughs> and uh, Lamar, where can everybody find you? Uh, yeah. So on Reddit, I am uh, LL. Uh, and as always, you can find us at rangercast.net and in your favorite podcast uh, service. So we will see you next time. We're going to start catching up on Dino Fury. We hope to talk about new episodes coming up very soon here on Rangercast. Have a great one, everybody. For more, visit rangercast.net. Reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, or through our website's voicemail feature. RangerCast is distributed under Creative Commons license. Share. Don't sell. Our opening theme is by Daniel Park. The ending theme is by Tyler Waldman. Wait until we find out it's also a sequel to Jungle Fury. <laughs>